Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. My name is Richard Betts and I'm joined by Paul Strome and Dan Innes. Um, Dan, uh, what are the headlines for you? Here in the UK, last week's headlines uh, were really for us dominated a lot by the impact of government changes, more government changes uh, because of COVID. Um, specifically those to the leisure and hospitality industry. Um, you know, so we're thinking, you know, this is going to have a huge impact on landlords with restaurants, pubs, uh, leisure outlets, you know, as well as the anticipated, you know, changes to the UK law for tourists claiming back the AT purchases made in the UK. So we saw two main articles actually, which are worth going back to. One in particular, um, which was an opinion piece in City AM by Box Parks founder Roger Wade, and he's effectively a landlord and a retailer himself with his schemes in Wembley, Croydon and Shoreditch. And he's sort of recognising the huge impact this 10pm curfew. Roger said that he's made the decision to support this cancel the curfew campaign. He's looking to give that a bit of oxygen um, in the hope that pressure will kind of force the government into making a bit of a U-turn on those kind of restrictions. And of course, in the last few weeks, we've been seeing the incredible job being done by Hospitality UK's chief exec, Kate Nichols, she's warned that the industry may lose as many as over half a million jobs by the end of the year. So the impact of these changes is, is really, really um, in, in incredible. Um, on, on the VAT reform topic, the other article I was thinking about is in the Sunday Times over the weekend by Sam Chambers, following the anticipated removal of the 20% the VAT tax break for tourists coming in to some of our best known shopping destinations like London's West End um, or designer outlets around the country. So we're thinking about places like Value Retail's Bista Village up in Oxfordshire, which as we all know, you know, it's reported some of the highest sales performance figures per square foot in Europe. So bear that in mind when you're looking at uh, some kind of uh, hit to their trade. But um, Her Majesty's Treasury, they expect to claw back only sort of 500 million as a result. But, but many say this could really have a massive impact and be the death knell for retailers and restaurants already starved of, tourist of, of tourists. The um, Centre for Economics and Business Research, the CEBR, they forecast that, that that move could in fact ultimately cost the Treasury um, about three and a half billion pounds because the move will see US, UK tourist spend drop uh, by 1.1 to 1.8 billion. Um, and of course, and the job losses, I mean, that's going to have an impact on the Treasury as well. Uh, so, you know, so many across the real asset markets are really calling the government for a bit of a rethink. Elsewhere in development news, Argent Brent Cross, uh, which of course is the joint venture between Argent and Related, the US-based developer and asset manager, they, together with Barnett Council, they unveiled their new or latest vision for a 5 billion 180 acre mixed use project at Brent Cross uh, to create the new Brent Cross town centre development. And so there's a lot of coverage about that. Known in previous carnations as Brent Cross South, uh, the new development sort of includes 50 acres of parkland and playing fields, which are central to creating that community feel for people to live, work and visit. And they're also trying to introduce that 15-minute community championed by the mayor of Paris and Hidalgo. So, you know, timing-wise, early enabling infrastructure works for Brent Cross Town, sort of, they, be, you know, they, they began this year. Uh, the town centre is going to connect properly with King's Cross in just 12 minutes using the new Brent Cross West Station. That's meant to be complete by the end of 2022. And it's anticipated that the first phases of homes and offices, they'll be occupied by 2024. 
So, um, but it's great to see Brent Cross, uh, hopefully, um, getting off the ground uh, with that project. Um, so, I mean, that that's that was everything from me. Aside to say that it was um, it was World Mental Health Day uh, last week, and of course, many of the leaders in the property press, not least Sam McClary in EG, uh, commented on that. And it's been rising up the agenda for us all as we're working from home. Yes, fully agree with that. Um, also interesting to see some of those developments, particularly the Scott Malkin one, um, as well in terms of value retail, because that's one of the first signs now of a Brexit and how those negotiations actually work, that these are now beginning to be the real aspects of this that are now coming out as we get closer to that date. And I expect to see far more of that. Um, I also noticed, interestingly, that, we, um, that the European Council of Shopping Places um, kind of launched officially um, as, a, as a European voice for the industry and I guess filling the void left when the ICSC finished last year. I think certainly for the industry that there's a requirement for a voice across Europe um, and good to see that there are important founding members in there like ECE, SES, Sonicera, Unibirodamco, Westfield. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Paul, what have you been seeing? Well, while we're looking for glimmers of hope, I was interested by um, the fact that Korean company Hyundai Investments and Paris-based investment house La Française had acquired their first asset for a newly established joint venture. Now, they've worked together before, but this time they've bought a, a 12,000 square meter office building in Essen, Germany, in a sale and lease back with uh, energy company RWE. There's no indication yet of what they've paid, but Hyundai and La Française want to create a core, core plus portfolio of modern office buildings in established business districts in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg and Ireland. Notice, notably, France and UK are missing from that list. Um, Further acquisitions are planned over the next 12 months, they said, and their rationale is that the European real estate market is showing positive signs in terms of valuations and rental values. As I said, La Francaise has worked with Hyundai previously, and um, notably in 2018, uh, as Hyundai was part of a consortium that acquired a building called La Balthazar, not far from the Stade de France in Paris. Now that Korean story links with another story. Last week, LaSalle announced a 435 million first close of its fourth European debt fund series and said it puts them on track to raise a billion. And the fund uh, is providing mezzanine debt secured on property in Germany, Netherlands, UK, France and Spain. Um, LaSalle said the commitment so far from existing and new clients in Europe and Asia, uh, but wasn't more specific than that. But in Korea, the English language Korea Economic Daily reported that named Korean investors have committed over 80 million to the fund. That's about 20% of the first close. Uh, the point of mentioning that is that together the stories perhaps indicate a continuing substantial Korean interest in Europe, despite the current economic headwinds. In Hyundai's case, it seems to preclude investment in France and UK. They're perhaps stated there from the rash of previous deals that occurred in 2018 and uh, early 2019. And at, at that time, there are a lot of high-profile career investments in, in Paris in particular, um, and in particular in La Défense. But there were also investments in Amsterdam, Frankfurt, and even Bratislava attracted Korean money. Um, but it's not been quite so conspicuous of late. Um, so uh, perhaps despite the gloom in many parts of the economy in Europe, it illustrates this significant uh, 
investment interest still. In fact, in a report last week, Colliers said that Q4 investment in commercial property in Europe is expected to reach 100 billion, following what the firm called a robust turnaround in larger post-COVID deals in Q3. If that volume is achieved in Q4, it could take the whole year figure to about 270 billion, uh, which is down, uh, but only 14% 14% on 2019, which is perhaps not as bad as uh, expected given the current circumstances. That said, the obstacles to which they refer are not exactly remote possibilities, and they uh, refer to the US election um, and a potential second wave of the pandemic. Um, and from the UK's point of view, not many people have referred to the impact of Brexit, as you said, um, possibly because there's still so little detail about what it'll actually mean. Yeah, interesting as well, Paul, to, to pick up on that point around core and core plus. I did an interesting interview with John Mulqueen, head of offices for EMEA at CBRE Global Investors. And in some ways, he was seeing the shift to working from home, although it had gone better than expected, it would be a mistake to jump to conclusions too early. So he envisages a sort of best of the rest office market emerging so that actually this, in some ways, will encourage um, more people towards core CBD than than uh, than before. So an interesting just take on on the markets there. Um, thanks very much, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Thanks.